Have you ever been in love? Horrible, isn't it? It makes you so vulnerable. It opens your chest and it opens your heart. And it means that someone can get inside you and mess you up. Neil Gaiman, The Kindly Ones. I'm Blakely Thomas Aguilar, and this is Pop Culture Tech, an original podcast brought to you by VMware. When I think about the one search that defines humanity, that's the quest for love. Romeo and Juliet, Lancelot and Guinevere, Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy, Anar Kali and Salim. The list goes on and on and on. But what would have happened if Juliet had swiped left? Or if Elizabeth Bennet signed up for Match.com and Mr. Darcy went with Farmers Only? In our modern digital age, the quest for love has changed dramatically. The online global dating services market is projected to reach $9 billion by 2025, according to Allied Market Research. As old-timers, and I'm only talking about the top of the millennial generation, remember a day where the dating pool was only as wide as our neighborhood or high school. And then digital technology changed our quest for love forever. In a mere 20-year period, we've had four different generations experience the search for love in dramatically different ways. So, has technology made the search for love easier? Is it still an ever-fixed mark, like Shakespeare famously wrote? Or are we looking for love in all the wrong places? To help us explore technology's impact on our search for love, I talked to Adam Cohen as Lottie, who's been part of some of the biggest names in online dating. And he's now the brains behind the dating app, S'more. The way that I think about the, the genesis of online dating, so I think that it started offline. Obviously, you had various cultures do matchmaking. The Jewish culture is very big into matchmaking setups. The Indian culture, same thing. A lot of cultures have that as well. Uh, but when computers were first, or when the, inter when the internet first started, uh, for the public or for public consumption in the mid 1990s is when it really got off the ground. You had basic websites and you also had chat rooms. So chat rooms were a place for social discovery. So to meet new people and have common interest conversations. And these conversations were often actually quite vibrant and you people were, were getting married off of chat rooms uh, because you know, you had these great conversations and also you know, you couldn't really see what they looked like, right? The person, if they wanted to upload a photo of themselves, took five minutes to upload and it was pixelated, um, but you already had a relationship with that person. Uh, so a lot of these conversations in early day chat rooms did lead to marriages and relationships. Uh, then you had generation version 1.0 of websites, uh, which were sort of the match.coms. Um, even Badu was one of the first dating websites in Europe. And those websites were really designed at the time for baby boomers. So those people who had been married uh, or, and maybe are looking for their second marriage um, or, you know, were in their sort of like mid thirties, forties, uh, and were very used to writing a lot, right? So the profiles were much, required much more criteria information about the person. 
uh, and required a lot of reading. So it was very involved, very involved process, lots of words. Um, and then that kind of translated into the mobile web, which was the BlackBerry, as we all can remember, where we had mobile websites, uh, which took forever to load and sort of companies like, again, Match.com, OkCupid, created mobile versions, little mo mobile website versions of, of, their, um, of their desktop uh, sites. And again, mostly catered again to, to boomers and then started to be catering to generation Xers. But then you had the introduction of the iPhone in the mid 2000s, I think it was 2006, where it really just changed everything. And the reason for it is because iPhones or any type of you know, smartphone, it's everything is, becomes on demand. Uh, you can order everything to your home on demand, whether it's a package or food, uh, relationships, millennials, believe that you can order it to your home on demand, which you can't, which is the reason for s'more. Uh, but yeah, basically uh, the iPhone changed everything. And the first generation of apps on the iPhone were all based on location. Uh, the first mainstream dating app was actually Grindr. And Grindr was a way to connect the LGBTQ community solely based on location, meaning are you two feet away from me, 10 feet away from me, five feet away from me? You could never do that with a website or even with the mobile web to such accuracy. Um, and it became a really easy way to meet people that are you know, in close proximity, which lends itself to casual encounters because if you know this person's 10 feet away and they want something, you know, something fun and exciting, that's easy to arrange. So a lot of the first generation apps were really just based on location. Uh, Tinder also based on location. Uh, generation uh, 2.0, uh, some of the apps uh, in that space would be The League or Bumble, which really started to create apps that were more brands. So it wasn't just a single feature based on location, but real companies that were able to diversify and be more than a single featured product, but a brand that really resonated with a very specific group. So in Bumble's case, uh, it really stood for female empowerment. Uh, in the case of The League, uh, really stands for sort of aspirational dating, um, dating high, not low, um, and it's more exclusive type of dating. And then version 3.0, which is really happening in 2020, is a new type of dating environment that is really splitting the category of dating into two. One that is casual encounters, casual dating, and one that is based on getting to know someone, which we call slow dating. And what's interesting is millennials are transitioning from casual encounters, casual dating into a new app category called slow dating. And part of that is because millennials are now entering a new phase of their life. Millennials in 2020 are turning 40. The oldest millennials are turning 40. So those who are not in relationships, not married, especially women, are feeling you know, some pressure and are really looking for relationships. So we are seeing a big change. Um, the average user does have four apps, dating apps on their phone, but one out of the four tends to be for relationships. Uh, and we know that millennials are seeking relationships. In fact, um, I'm a data nerd here, but the data behind dating shows that 50% of millennials are single and some call themselves hopelessly single. 25% of millennials are in some sort of relationship and only 25% of millennials are married. That's half as much or half as many as uh, their parents' generation, the baby boomers, and one third of their grandparents' generation at the same age. Furthermore, and again, more nerdy data coming at you, the, the percent of Americans that say that they're looking for relationships 
has not changed since the 1970s. So it's not that millennials don't want to be married and or be in long-term relationships, but something has happened that they're not. And a lot of it has to do with the emergence of the iPhone and the shift in a millennial's mindset behavior from everything's instant, instant gratification into understanding that relationships don't work that way. You can't, we can't order a relationship to your door. Relationships take time to develop. And there's also that intangible X factor um, that you need to kind of discover. And I think millennials finally are understanding that, you know, the, the casual dating apps have not been successful in large part in getting them into relationships. So they're now turning to slow dating apps such as S'more. The online dating scene reminds me of the Echo and Narcissus myth. Echo fell in love with the beautiful Narcissus, but when he rebuffed her, Echo's heart broke and she roamed about the woods until the only thing left were her anguished cries. In punishment, the goddess Nemesis led Narcissus to a pool where he fell in love with his own reflection, a love that would never materialize and, in turn, broke his heart. How can we hope to find love instead of heartbreak in a digital world where the surface is often all you see? But if you're trying to get to know someone and you're excluding someone or judging them based on a selfie, which is probably old, which is probably uh, airbrushed, which doesn't really represent who they are, that's not going to get you into a relationship. It's not the best shot at love. So what we say and what I truly believe is you need to give someone a chance. And women and men have a very different psychological um, sort of a, a point of view on this. Women tend to know exactly or they think they know exactly what kind of man they want in, in the case that they're looking for a man. And they have a checklist of all the things that he should have and all these attributes. And a man typically on a dating app has a very low barrier. He just wants a woman to chat with him. Um, and they're both very misaligned. Ultimately, a relationship requires communication, and you can't have communication if you are disqualifying someone based on a headshot. So to women, we say, this guy may not be he's six foot, he may be five eight, but he's a doctor, he's a beautiful man, uh, he's respectful, he's kind, he's generous, he's all the things you want, but he's five foot eight, you should talk to him. Um, and to men, we're saying you should stop just looking at a woman's, you know, face and, and you know, chest and, and those visual cues, which, of course, sexual attraction is important. But don't you want to know how she sounds? Don't you want to know that she's going to be there for you and care for you and that you're an actual compatible match? Uh, and that's why we provide all these different types of cues uh, in the profile, even before you see the way they look. So, again, we're trying to give people a shot at love. Um, take a beat and get to know this person before you judge them. So we know the struggle, we hear the problem, and we know people want a solution. And that's what's so cool about our digital age. The best tech brands see a need and pair it with technological innovation. Adam and his team took an idea, a dating epiphany, and built a really cool digital experience to help its users solve the modern conundrum of finding real love online. 
I spent over 10 years working in the dating and relationship space, but the impetus specifically for S'more came uh, from a woman actually that I was speaking to on the beach in Cabo. I had just left working for a very large uh, industry player and I was thinking that I was going to retire from the industry and I had this whole conversation uh, about how this woman felt as if she had to put a a version of her out there that was not always authentic or real in order to compete with other women for the attention of a man. And I felt like that sounded like an awful experience. I never thought about it that way or heard other people explain their app experiences in quite the way that she was explaining it to me. And so uh, she was continued and talked about the experiences she had on dates uh, and all the awful uh, times that she was catfished, et cetera, et cetera. And I was honestly inspired by the conversation, by the story to come up with a solution for the challenges that she faced and not even knowingly create a business. Uh, I went up to my room and I spent the next 48 hours working on a solution and the solution ended up being S'more. Yeah, so the way that the app works is, again, the app is, is the, the premise is getting to know someone before deciding if you like them and before you see them. And the more that you engage and the more that you interact and chat with someone, the more that their photos unblur and their private and visual content unlocks. So we're trying to get you to enter into these conversations before judging someone simply based on a selfie, which we don't think works well. And every other dating app that I, that I know of and that can think of, and even the ones that cater to relationships, all still focus on image first. For nearly 20 years, we've seen the TV commercials and heard the radio ads. Dating companies are always talking about their unique ability to take your information and magically connect you with your soulmate. In tech terms, it's all about the algorithm. In other words, the math. But how do you take basic info about me, like my age, favorite music, hobbies, location, and help me discover one of the most elusive things in the world, and that's true love. The team at S'more is taking what the industry calls preferences a step further. They're adding behavior into the mix and using technology to combat the online dating industry's biggest user challenges. We do also have two algorithms for matching. One that provides the top five to you in a day, so your five recommended profiles. Uh, and I wrote the algorithm for that. So the algorithm for that's based on many variables. So it includes all of the basic variables like geo, gender, age, sexual preference, uh, location, et cetera. But it also looks at how you set up your profile. And that's what's really unique. We have six different categories of criteria that you can add to your profile. So we're looking at what you find most interesting about yourself and what you wanna showcase about yourself and how you constructed your own profile. Then we also look at what you tend to wink at, what categories of information are important to you on other people's profile. And based on those two main criteria, we're able to surface five recommended profiles that are a combination of all of your preferences, plus what you're interested in, plus how you behave on the app. Secondly, uh, we have another algorithm which is based on, uh, which is calculated for your rating score. 
every profile has a publicly visible rating score. It's based in part on how kind and polite you are when you chat, but it's also based on your usage and activity on the apps. I think that in 2020, most millennials have said, I'm sick of vanity metrics. I'm sick of the concept of likes. Uh, the concept of likes have caused sadness, anxiety, depression, which is one of the reasons why Instagram is getting rid, rid of publicly available likes. Now, what we're saying is you need to act with a level of kindness on this app. Otherwise, we're not the community for you. And the reason for that is our app is literally solving three probably or more of the basic challenges that apps could solve in our industry, but have not. We need to know that the person behind the phone matches the photos that you've uploaded. Why? Because catfishing is one of the biggest problems in online dating and it has not been tackled in a way that requires users to do something. We use a, a photo verification technology that basically is matching your real-time photo with the photos that you uploaded. Uh, the technology also has the ability to decide if you are not wearing clothes um, and also if you're underage and also if you're using a photo that's outdated. So we're really trying to make sure that you're using high quality photos of yourself and that they're real. Um, so that's one. Two, again, we don't allow you to send any kind of links or photos within text, within um, messaging which will then get rid of the, the big problem that we have of unsolicited nudes uh, plaguing the industry. Uh, we also are using a phone verification technology, which gets rid of bots. Um, in terms of behavior, we have the rating score, uh, which we've alluded to, and then also our server. So we encrypt all of our data. We make sure that it's very secure. Uh, we don't look at any, um, any kind of chat history. We're not interested in that. All we care about is if the person's being polite or kind. So far, we've heard about the industry, the trends, and the technology. But what about that ethereal thing? The emotions, the search, the journey that has captivated us all since the dawn of humanity. To help us unpack the humanness of our search for love of all kinds, I spoke with Anna Minetti, a master's student in integral counseling psychology at the California Institute of Integral Studies. So online dating has obviously has its has its benefits because uh, you know even as a as a woman, um, you know not having to be as passive anymore and not waiting for someone to call. And that really puts you in the driver's seat of your own dating life. Um, and you can go ahead and, and um, go ahead and find that person that you're looking for and you're in control rather than being passive about it. Um, there's also the idea, even with, even not even so much with dating apps is you, know, you have your meetup, you have your Facebook groups, you have, a whole way, a whole scope of ways of finding that person or those support systems, um, not, you know, not only online dating, but so you could, you could go on and find, you say, I really love stand up paddleboarding at midnight on a full moon. And you can find somebody that can do that with you and, you know, be it a love connection or just a connection. Um, so you know, I actually met my husband on online, um, that match.com connection, you know, it worked. And he, I, as a teacher at the time, 
I would never have, I would never have met him. We would never have crossed paths. Um, so the idea of choice is really beneficial because we, when you know that you're ready for a relationship or you can find a bunch of people that are also ready for that relationship, there are lots of positive outcomes. And, you know, my story is, is one of those positive outcomes. And, you know, I, um, was divorced when I was 32, um, went through a lot of self, uh, awareness and I did a lot of work on myself. And, um, I was, when I was ready, um, I was able to find the person for me. Um, and if I didn't, I don't know that I would have been able to find that person in the bars that I was going to and the people that were setting me up and all those sort of other ways of meeting people really weren't working um, because there was a limited pool of people that were in my immediate um, friend group. So, um, you know, I think it's a great way to meet people. It's, it's almost like a safe place to do it because rather than, I mean, I can't imagine the, it's so, it's so difficult the thought of walking up to someone with a complete blank it's like buying a product when you're not on Amazon and you don't have all the reviews. <laughs> so it's a blank screen with this person in front of you. And it's really, it's really intimidating. Um, and putting yourself out there for someone who, you know, you don't know if they're looking for a relationship or if they're looking for, you know, a hookup. But online, you have that background, again, assuming, assuming truth. And it, helps you to be vulnerable on a different level more quickly than you would say meeting someone at a bar and it's a search that goes on and on and on and it's a search that we we tend to put to someone else um like when we find that person who will complete me when i find that relationship or that you know whatever situation that that will make me whole and complete but really what it is is it's yourself it really is looking at yourself and um you know wounds that you've had that have stopped you from really truly loving yourself it sounds kind of like a you know Whitney Houston song um but it truly is the thing that has you know time and time again when I've seen other people's transformations and and finding true love they do it after they've really done some hard work on themselves and finding that internal acceptance and love. And then it changes your whole view on what you're looking for outside. Love, as they say, is a many splendored thing. And love means something different for each of us, whether you're using an online dating app to find romantic love, seeking companionship in a meetup, or using a meditation app for some much needed self-love. The good news for all of us, digital technology makes it easier to find that love any way we want it. I'm Blakely Thomas Aguilar, and this is Pop Culture Tech. Special thanks to our guests, Anna Manetti and Adam cohen Azlati of S'more. Our podcast, as always, is brought to you by VMware, the software that connects, automates, and secures the world's digital infrastructure. Learn more at VMware.com. Have questions about today's episode? Follow me at Blakely Ags and use hashtag PopCultureTech. 
Until next time, pop culture fans. 